Welcome to the IPv6 Buzz podcast, where we dare to dive into the 128-bit address space wormhole. Quick reminder, there are sponsorship opportunities available for IPv6 Buzz and other Packet Pusher podcast shows. So if you're interested, you can go to packetpushers.net slash sponsorship for details. You know, if you got something really cool that's working with IPv6, you know, we want to hear from you. <laughs> so come join us on the IPv6 Buzz. Hey, we can get the word out about what you're up to with V6. I'm Ed Horley with my co-host Tom Coffin and Scott Hogue. Today, we're going to be talking about IPv6 and VPN with our guest, Tomislav Chohar from Hide VPN. So Tomislav, welcome to the show. Uh, maybe give us a little bit of, of information about uh, maybe how you guys are leveraging V6 with the VPN side and maybe what your motivations were around sort of getting V6 in there. Well, yeah. The thing is, you know, with the VPNs and IPv6, we always uh, were struggling with IPv6 in a sense that we tried to block it. We tried to find ways to disable the usage of IPv6 on, on client computers, mobile phones, and other devices, tablets, TVs, whatever. And we kind of thought, um, at least we in, on HideMe, thought that this was not the way to go. The thing is, you know, why not try to embrace it? You know, every other VPN provider, including us three years ago, uh, we were developing really, really complex pieces of code while trying to deal with the IPv6 leaks and DNS issues related to IPv6, um, which was a problem for our customers because with the VPN and with our industry, it's all about security. And we try to somehow protect our customers in every sense possible, including data leaks. Now, the problem with IPv6 and the, and the Windows, at least, uh, and Linux, Mac OS also, the problem is that it's a preferred protocol. If a machine can detect IPv6 presence on the network, then the IPv6 protocol will be default. Um, in some cases, this is not... Uh, um, this is not enforced, for example, with the tunneling technologies such as uh, Teredo or on Linux Miredo. But basically what happens is that a customer of ours who is connected over IPv4-only VPN and also has IPv6 connectivity over his public interface would leak data over that IPv6 public interface. And this is a huge issue, really. It's not, not a simple thing to solve. So we resorted to firewall programming under Windows with the Windows filtering framework and Windows filtering platform. On uh, macOS, we had those kernel extensions, various uh, hard to understand and complete, complex pieces of technology. And it created a really, really messy spaghetti code, which didn't work well. Now, I had an idea. You know, The problem was with us and I guess many of other VPN providers is that you, in order to support IPv6, you need support from your partners, uh, especially hosting companies. And the IPv6 adoption, well, I, I would say it's not going according to the plan. IPv6 is like a decade old, maybe even more. And it should have been completely adopted by, by at least hosting companies. But that's not the case even today. So just, just a small digression on our network. Our network is almost completely IPv6 enabled. We have a few servers in some exotic countries where we do not support IPv6, unfortunately, because there's no 
a hosting provider which could offer IPv6 support to us. That, that's the case, but we have a plan for that as well. We are going to tunnel traffic over some IPv6 tunnels towards our IPv6 enabled locations for our customers so that they do not have to suffer from uh, possible IP leaks. Now, the thing is, you have to collaborate with the rest of the industry to be able to go full throttle on IPv6. And I decided, and uh, well, I, I'm a lead. I'm the lead of the of the infrastructure team at HideMe. So I and my team decided that we should just abandon all these cumbersome, difficult to maintain, and problematic methods of blocking IPv6 v6 and just embrace it completely try to support it with every protocol that we support on our vpn and in that sense by supporting ipv6 we get rid of all the issues that our customers had with ipv6 leaks because then windows and any other operating system will detect ipv6 presence over the virtual networking interface and would use our infrastructure to tunnel ipv6 traffic through and we succeeded in that. We found a, a great, uh, great hosting company, which uh, was really struggling to support IPv6 on those locations where we needed them the most. And basically, we are like 95 or maybe 97% dual stack throughout all of our networks. I guess the challenges were hard i would say that the problems were severe because still we do have to maintain that old legacy code just for those three or four locations which still work in this old and well i would say flawed way until we can until we find a solution to enable ipv6 connectivity even on those uh, difficult locations the end goal was definitely to simplify everything. So with complete IPv6 support, we simplify and, simplify and streamline our product. We don't have to talk about IPv6 leaks. We don't have them. We support IPv6. We don't have to talk about data compromises. We don't have to try and explain to our customer why IPv6 is bad. Everybody knows that it isn't bad. It's a good thing. It's a great technology. but when you are into marketing and when you're trying to sell a product, you have to find a way to somehow rationalize why you don't support something that you should have been supporting for years now. And <laughs> it's like, in, in our opinion, this is not the way to go. So we, we, we decided like two years ago, I think it was two years ago, yes, to just start developing the new infrastructure, new system, everything IPv6 enabled uh, with IPv6 in mind, like something that's on equal terms as IPv4. And I would say developed our infrastructure from scratch. Everything, right. it took a while. It took like a year or maybe a year and two months to do everything all over again and to support every protocol that we actually support. We had... We are one of the few VPN providers that support, all, I would say, most of the uh, 
well-known and dominant protocols in the industry. And this was a, well, this was a difficult task, unfortunately, because Windows, Microsoft doesn't really play well with some of the VPN protocols and I would say with some auto configuration mechanisms. Uh, it just does its own thing, which is, I, I wouldn't say by the book, it's, it, you know, they can rationalize this, but it's like, no, it shouldn't be done like that. But unfortunately, you know, you don't have ready-made solutions for these problems and you have to think, get around them, do some coding, maybe even enhance some of the software packages that you are using to support the tunnels on your end, on your infrastructure part, and then it works. It works. Yeah, so if... If a VPN as a service provider doesn't support IPv6, there could be IPv6 traffic breakout, as you mentioned, whereby the IPv6 traffic goes unencrypted, which is not what the client probably wants or expects, or maybe even knows is happening. But if the VPN provider is doing some type of IPv6 blocking, as you alluded to, like, like maybe blocking quad A record queries over v4 transport or doing some other method of blocking ipv6 how could that negatively affect the end user application experience yeah how could it well the thing is uh, uh first of all we know that uh, in many parts of the world ipv6 infrastructure is separated from ipv4 infrastructure so basically what you gain by using ipv6 in parallel to ipv4 is a lower latency mm-hmm. uh, higher transfer speeds and in some cases uh, increased reliability of your link also uh, at the moment really we don't have so many ipv6 only websites or uh, IPv6 only uh, services, but this will probably happen in the future. Let's not forget about the vastness of the IPv6 address space. So we are talking about the Internet of Things here, which basically counts on IPv6 support. And this is the thing that you are missing out on if you're locked into IPv4 and do not think about embracing IPv6 or supporting it in the near future. You know, that, that's, that's just, just the way it is. Now, mm-hmm. m- many of uh, the hosting sites started supporting IPv6 recently, and our customers reported that with our VPN and with our solution, they uh, get impressive uh, increases in download speeds mm-hmm. uh, just because, well, they basically do not know what's going on, but we do. Just the thing is, IPv6 infrastructure is faster because it's not saturated. It has a lot of capacity and it uses redundant links, which are underutilized at the moment. You know, I think the architects that are planning the whole deployment of the IPv6 networks over-provisioned the links. And uh, in that sense, that infrastructure is a lot, a lot um, more performant at the moment than what's what's possible with IPv4. One thing that you'll, well, this is a little bit, I would say, an insider information. 
many of the ISPs in European Union, well, they offer one gigabit links, uh, six megabit links, but basically when you multiply the amount of customers they have and their uplink speeds, you just, it's easy to deduct that you, they don't have such capacity. They can't really offer each and every customer uh, bursting speed on one gigabit all the time. So they throttle. Basically, they throttle or they somehow prioritize traffic. And this is going on on IPv4, but not on IPv6, because IPv6 is just at the moment underutilized. And if you are able as a VPN provider to offer your services over IPv6, then your customers would be able to, to reach your VPN servers faster with lower latency and with higher rel reliability. That's an insider really, track. Really that's a little. That's a little hack there. <laughs> well, it's not not just a hack. Let's 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 talk about mobile networks. Okay. Now uh, we all know that, and it's it's been going on for a while. Uh, mobile network operators such as T-Mobile or in the US Verizon, Sprint, they all use CGNet. Uh, this is a technology in IPv4 world and IPv6 world, and Basically, what happens, uh, they have a shortage of IPv4 addresses, so they do network address translations for you. And by uh, using CGNet, they encapsulate the traffic into another protocol. You lose on speed. The MTU sizing issues happen. You sometimes get stalling, uh, stalling websites which do not load completely or never begin to load. Something happens there just because there's a shortage of IPv4 addresses. And this technology has to be employed. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to offer the service. In parallel, they are, at least in Germany, we know that for a fact, they are offering IPv6 addresses, native addresses, along with the uh, local addresses on IPv4 address space. And those IPv6 addresses are not being, uh, and the traffic that they carry uh, is not being manipulated at all. It's not being prioritized. Nothing is going on with that traffic. So when a customer uses a mobile phone in Germany and uses a VPN, which is IPv6 enabled, then his VoIP calls, his gaming, his browsing, Everything just flies, it just works properly. With IPv4, you get, as I said, frequent issues like disconnections, uh, networking issues like higher latency, dropped packets, all sorts of problems, which are really hard to debug, mm -hmm. but are due to the fact that the, the mobile provider is basically using a technology which helps them to serve all the customers with the limited amount of IP addresses they have. So yeah, definitely IPv6 is the way to go. And I think in the future, VPN industry will have to adapt. Yeah, just reduction of the use of NAT uh, and you know the performance backhaul of that. But using a VPN provider, there is some backhaul, but with IPv6, no need for NAT. So, Tomislav, would you say that uh, you mentioned ha having to find a hosting provider that, that had good IPv6 support? And that's intriguing because, 
you know, like when I think about what the VPN problem poses for a VPN provider, I'm thinking more on on the code side of things that uh, some of the things that you mentioned earlier of having to uh, to basically include IPv6 support and, and move away from the model where you're just b- trying to block IPv6. Um, th- th- so that that part of it makes makes sense. You know, I hadn't even really considered that that the hosting provider side of things would would be an issue. What were what were some of the biggest challenges there with the hosting provider that you ran into? And, and was it a collaboration to help work through those uh, on the IPv6 side? Uh, did you have to work very closely with them? Or is it something that you just said, hey, we need this, and then they just went out and, and fi- figured it out and turned it on? Well, it depends. You know, On HiveMe, we work with some 25 hosting providers. Uh, only three of those are major ones where we have a lot of, a lot of servers. And those major providers were really easy to work with. They were already they did implement IPv6 and it was just a matter of asking about it and they just gave you addressing information and it was a straightforward and fast process. But with some others, some other providers, it was a struggle, you know. We they tried to to make us use uh, DHCP with dedicated servers, which really doesn't make a lot of sense. But they were like at the moment they were not much interested into in, in in deploying ipv6 on their network so there wa- was i would say half a years we spent half a year's time uh, with a few providers trying to explain what we need and how we need it and why some uh, methods of auto configuration why why some prefixes do not work for us you know i think it's not about the Technical um, technical challenges is more about the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think at the moment most of those hosting providers do not care much about IPv6 because it's not a selling point. On HiveMe, we haven't really noticed uh, uh, some spikes or anything that was related to our support of IPv6 protocol. You know, the end customer really doesn't care. For him, it's important that it works mm-hmm. and that our VPN works for some reason better than some other, and they measure this by speed or by latency or by reliability. I think the same thing go, goes with the hosting providers, uh, uh, dedicated hosting providers. Uh, if there's no, not, there's no much demand, they won't learn about it, they won't deploy it, and they won't implement it correctly. Mm, yeah, no, and that makes sense because we see that a lot where it, it isn't a technical challenge in terms of having gear, having hardware and software that supports IPv6. All the support is there, and it, it's really more of an operational experience problem where they, they just they don't know what they don't know, and because you say there's no, they feel like they don't have any market pressure to adopt IPv6. And so they, they, they just don't have the, the operational practice up and rolling. If, if they did, they would discover that the IPv6 support is there and that they could, they could use it. It would be a very trivial thing for them. Um, and maybe, maybe that's some of what your, your hosting providers experienced when you made that request. Like, hey, turn this on. It's like, oh, hey, this just works. Yeah, well, you know, we with one hosting provider, you know, there, there are certain countries in the world where you don't have a choice. There are just... For example, two hosting providers 
for example, Iceland. Iceland is such a country, you know, a small country, far from everything. And there are two hosting providers. And one of them is trying, really trying. I can't blame them. We we collaborate with them and they are just awesome. But they don't have they don't have the knowledge at the moment. And they don't, you know, it's it's easy for us to ask about IPv6 support and offer our help. But you know, they are running a huge data center. It's probably more complicated than we think, you know. And I think now a year since we made the first request about IPv6 and they told me, sure, we know about it, we would like to implement it, but it's not all that easy. You know? And it just, just takes a while. Probably, you know, God knows what equipment do they have. Maybe they have something outdated there and it just is a problem for them to update and, and have IPv6 running. I don't know. But in the meantime, as I said, we 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 really hate the fact that we have just a couple of locations, including Iceland, which are running only over IPv4, and we will tunnel IPv6 towards probably something that's closest, like to Iceland, maybe the UK or Netherlands or something like that, just to, to, to enable that IPv6 connectivity for our customers so that we can abandon everything that we do to block it within our apps. This will be like... Uh, we will lift a big burden off our back just by doing that. So that that's the next step for us, I think. So, Tomislav, in terms of doing that work, which is really sort of the, maybe that's the, in terms of VPN, that's like the last mile, right? <laughs> last mile delivery for, for your customers. I mean, you guys would effectively be providing V6 as a native service across the VPN, even though it's just a V4 link and giving them the capabilities to be able to access V6 resources. You guys are just providing the termination endpoint and the routing capabilities to provide them that that access. That's what you're really talking about there, right? Yeah, well, not, not only just that, you know, we, our services, we offer our services over IPv6 and IPv4. So, you can connect towards to our VPN servers over IPv6 protocol or IPv4 protocol, and the tunnel that gets established and built is dual stack. Got it. So, so this is a complete solution with HideMe. We have it all. You know, you, it's not just about IPv4 connectivity towards the server, but then you have dual stack. Now everything's dual stack. Okay, got it. And and, then, and that makes sense because it's it means that no matter which protocol anyone is using at any given moment, you're going to capture on that end client device, and this is the part that Scott was talking about, the VPN breakout. You're always going to see whatever request sets are going outbound, even if there's errors or mistakes in the in the protocol stack for what it's trying to do at the edge, right? It's you're still yes. going to capture you're still going to capture that all, which is the part that you were talking about very early in the in our conversation, which is really like the complicated code that you have to maintain to try and go on the host and sort of corral together what's happening from a network protocol basis. The reason you have to write all of that is because of the fact that just the V6, you know, the preferred nature of V6 and the fact that you might have a set of behaviors going on, even if there's not V6 enabled on the end host to get out to the public V6 internet, it is still potential that it could be doing something locally, even on the local Wi-Fi, and you still want to even be able to control that, right? Like things like if yes. someone's trying to exploit it, anything else, which I think it's outside of the scope of how people think of VPN, but if you're providing an all-in solution like what you guys are doing, you want to protect that host, even if you're on like, you know, Wi-Fi at a cafe and someone's trying to connect you on, 
you know, with a link local address, right? Or something like that. Um, yes. You, yes, you yes. want to know about all of that. So I, I just wanted to highlight that because it's, you know, people are probably thinking it's only from an internet scope scale, but the reality is you're trying to sort of solve all the problems uh, from 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 the machine all the way up, regardless of what location they're actually uh, on the network, right? Yeah. Uh, one thing I would like to add here is that I would say for at least Microsoft Windows, we really haven't noticed this on, on Mac OS or on Linux or Android, but on, on the Microsoft Windows, I would say IPv6 at the moment is a little bit like a second-class citizen. You know, the support APIs for developing stuff under Windows is not uh, really on that level uh, when you compare uh, what's available for IPv4. Uh, one simple example is uh, uh, v 2 protocol, which is... I would say a default in Windows when you select automatic and you try to configure a manual connection towards some VPN server. Basically, what Windows will do will try they will try IPv2 as default and then fall back to something else if it doesn't work out. Well, IPv2 doesn't work with IPv6 hosts, so you can't uh, connect to an IPv6 endpoint VPN server uh, over IPv6 protocol uh, and by using IP, IQv2 protocol on Windows. It just doesn't work. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it doesn't work. <laughs> so with many, uh, you of course, there's a, there's a nice alternative, SSTP on Windows, which works really well. So it's possible, but you know, Microsoft doesn't care and really didn't care for the last five years there are numerous reports about the issue on, on Microsoft's TechNet, but nothing happens really. So it's, it's a really simple thing. Just uh, take a look at it and fix whatever's wrong there and enable IPv6 connectivity for the tunnel. You know, you can easily use IPv6 when you are connecting connected over IPv4 and IQv2 and you get the address and everything it works. But if you want to connect to an IPv6 endpoint, it just doesn't work. So that's a little bit strange. But there are other issues with, with Windows, which are really, really hard to debug and find out what's wrong. We did all the work with that, and our apps take care of it. But this is not... Yeah, the, imp the implementation of happy eyeballs is not what you expect, probably, because of the, the whole the whole network connectivity status indicator stuff and you have to intercept all of that in order to sort of help the OS determine what, what's actually going on right, right? so there's a, yeah. there's a lot of things uh, that are uh, that are that are they use that bypass clause in RFC 6724 right to say that the operating system can have its own implementation uh, to do detection for uh, as opposed to using the like the race condition for 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 you know continuous checking, which is probably more common with with uh, what you see in in in, uh, in OS ten and in Android, right? Um, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> basically, I think I think they should invest uh, a little bit more into IPv six because it's supposed to be the default thing if it's available. So, well, I can certainly make a comment to them. <laughs> I know the right people they reach out to. Yeah. We did, we did numerous times. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, nothing happened. So I guess I guess once uh, IPv6 uh, gains uh, more than fifty percent adoption rate, 
then then things will start to pick up and the support will be better at the, as it stands right now in at least in the uk we are at 33 i think percent of the penetration of ipv6 with germany it's even better at 40 percent so yeah it will happen it will happen soon i guess well, and then if, if you get uh, more VPN uh, providers that are actually supporting IPv6, this is going to come up more, and then Microsoft will be sort of compelled to fix the issue. So you guys are really, you know, uh, forging. Hopefully, but, you yeah. know, as I said, you know, the thing is, it's not only about the technology. It's also about the marketing and everything else in the VPN industry. And at the moment, uh, I don't know if there's demand I'm a technical guy, I'm not uh, from the marketing team and I'm not really one that should be talking about it. But uh, as far as I can tell, at the moment, the demand for IPv6 connectivity over VPN is not all that huge. It, it's nice to have, but it's not something that's crucial. Well, once once we go live with this podcast, the demand for IPv6 over VPN is going to shoot right up. So. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. Now that you mentioned, you know, there are a couple of other VPNs. It would be just fair to mention a couple of them like AirVPN or VPN. Those guys are not all that known. Perfect Privacy is also known to have experimented with it. And what I heard is that they actually upgraded their network to IPv6 compatibility. So there are a couple of players there who are involved and invested into IPv6. But you know, when you take a, take a look at the VPN landscape, there are like 200 or 250 VPN providers. And out of those 250, you have just a handful of them, mm-hmm. which yeah. support IPv6. So you have to be careful. Yeah, if you're using a VPN today, you should go to your you know provider's website because some of I know, Actually, on their website, they say in order to prevent IPv6 VPN breakout, they want you to actually disable the IPv6 stack on your mobile device. And that's their guidance. And that's their solution to the problem is to have have their customers disable IPv6. And they think that fixes it. Well, unfortunately, if you dig deeper into the websites of VPN hosting, VPN companies, you'll find that uh, most of uh, VPN providers uh, to advise you to disable IPv6, or they have apps which take care, take care of it. So our app also takes care of it for the those special locations that we have. Three of them, as I said, uh, that legacy code is still there, and we have to do it. But uh, for those that do not have advanced apps, as we do, uh, they Unfortunately, have to suggest something like that to their customers. Otherwise, the whole concept of privacy and uh, reliability just falls apart. So there's their, that's their way to, to warn customers about IPv6. You know, that's, and that's a problem, really. I think it's a problem, you know, but hopefully that will, that will change in the future. Hopefully. That could be a problem. Let's say, uh, a person was using a previous vendor that didn't support IPv6. They had turned off IPv6 protocol in their mobile device or in their in their laptop or what have you. Then they realize, oh, they need a better provider, like like Hide.me, 
and mm -hmm. switch, but now they have a problem where the end client has it turned off, yet they're using a V6 capable VPN like yours. So there could be other issues related to you know turning it off or teaching people well, to turn it off. It's it's not really uh, it's not just about that. I I'd, I'd say it's dangerous to turn off IPv6 at least mm -hmm. in Germany, for example, mm -hmm. because as I said, in Germany, mobile networks are well um, really really invested on IPv6 because you know due to that shortage of IPv4 addresses and CGNet and the, the all the issues that you have uh, with the that legacy technology, I'd, I'd say, uh, when you disable IPv6 on your mobile phone, you get degraded performance even when you are not connected to the VPN because the mobile provider tries to use IPv6 to deliver content to you over the link, which is faster, which is better, and which works best for you. But you don't have it anymore because you disabled it and you've disabled it to use a VPN which doesn't support IPv6. And the end customer really doesn't know anything about it. So what happens, the end customer goes to the website, follows instructions, disables IPv6, and that's it. He doesn't really consider the fact that his mobile provider might be counting on it, to <laughs> counting on the fact that this customer should be using IPv6. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is a problem. This is a big problem. And we had uh, on our support, uh, channels, we had a few customers from Germany which asked what's going on? Why does your VPN perform uh, uh, bad? Why, what's what's the issue there? And we gave them instructions to re-enable IPv6 mm -hmm. and then when they re-enabled IPv6, everything was uh, rosy, everything worked well. And you have a, a page on your site where people can go to to check their v4 v6 and verify that their their vpn clients working properly and to test and that probably helps your troubleshooting teams help your customers say hey just go to this website tell us what the results are and you'll be able to help diagnose the problem quicker well basically that website is is a tool for everybody to use you know it's mm -hmm. not just for us our yeah. apps are smart mm -hmm. enough to do this on their own they don't mm -hmm. have to use that website they right. have, uh, oh. they contact our apis but Mm -hmm. Yeah, that tool is there, so everybody can check it and, and see if they they have IPv6 blocked or something, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a nice thing, especially when you're configuring your network connection manually. For example, you are trying to set up a VPN connection under Windows with IKV2 protocol by yourself, and you mm -hmm. want to see if, if, if you are really connected to a VPN server, and if you did get our IPv6 addresses, then this website is is a lifesaver, I would say. Well, I guess I guess the next thing is 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 since you have telemetry and information about what you guys are providing as a service to everyone for for you know with your VPN technology, maybe maybe we can ask the question: Have you noticed anything sort of interesting or different in regards to the IPv6 traffic you see versus the the IPv4 traffic? Is there do you guys actually take some measurements or stats about? You know, maybe how much total traffic you see, how many total sessions, like what's the performance? You know, you already mentioned some of the performance differences, but maybe there's a total quantity of how many customers you see connecting with V6 versus V4. Is that match with sort of what the world number for adoptions are around V4 versus V6? Is there any information you might be able to share around some of that? Sure, sure. Well, uh, basically, uh, we don't have uh, sa such statistics that we could um, 
give you detailed information about this because sure. a lot of information will be anonymized and it's just uh, something, some totals that we have, which are kind of interesting for us because, you know, it doesn't really make sense for us to invest, invest a lot of effort and time into trying to get some dedicated server provider to support IPv6 on a location which is not really interesting to our customers and especially over IPv6 protocol. But what I could say that in Asia, that's that number is close to zero. So when, when we consider the, the amount of connections established towards our VPN servers over IPv6, that's zero. That's zero in Asia. In uh, Europe, especially in Germany, we have something about somewhere around 25% of VPN sessions, which are established over IPv6. In the UK, we are steady at 11%. And in the US, quite surprisingly, only 6%. Huh. Fascinating. So I would, I, I was hoping to, you know, to see larger numbers in the US, but no. No, and uh, the rest of the world is also like Asia, really not interesting. But what's interesting is the separation of traffic. You know, when our customers use the VPN, uh, we see a lot of traffic uh, flowing over IPv6. I would say roughly about 15 to 20%, depending on the location uh, of TCP connections get established over IPv6 uh, infrastructure. And I'm talking now about the internal traffic. So it does really bring some advantage to our customers because 20%, roughly 20% of the traffic is being established over IPv6, which is performing a lot better, I would say, than what's going on with IPv4. Oh, very cool. Well, th- I mean, thanks for sharing that information because it's super, super useful for people to sort of get some insight about what you guys are seeing in terms of in terms of traffic volume and what's going on uh, out there on the on the network it's fascinating that that asia really doesn't have that sort of pickup even though uh from the recent numbers that AP, you know ap nick has been reporting like i think indonesia and a couple other the southeast asian countries have really you know shot up in terms of ipv6 adoption probably principally because of mobile networks but that that's fascinating i'm 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 one i'm curious if over the next year you might see some <laughs> additional pickup in that area that region of the world as a result that's that's the thing you know you have to look at the demographics of, of the customers of a vpn service in asia for example i could say that um, we have the most customers from those countries like indonesia malaysia or vietnam you know mm-hmm. and those countries, their mobile providers or their internet service providers rarely support IPv6 completely, you know, right. and that, that's the issue there, you know, and Got it. if we had uh, customers from Japan, of course, you know, Japan is dual stack all the way, you know, but unfortunately, we haven't penetrated the Japan Japan market significantly. So those numbers that I do have are really not representative of anything. Sure. Yeah, they're going to represent what you guys have in terms of market share and where you're seeing where you're seeing you know yeah, uptake yeah, in terms of yeah yeah awesome no but it's still it's still useful and still great information to have so I really appreciate that. Maybe, I guess my next question is sort of what I was mulling over in my head as you were talking through that, because you've innovated so much within the 
within the networking stack and you, and you have so much insight in regards to you know sort of what's going on with your customers around v6 is is there anything unique that you think you want to build from a product basis because of v6 if because you have v6 now and you didn't have it before or you had to spend so much effort working around it is there any innovation areas you're thinking of in terms of v6 and it's it's fine to say like you haven't thought through it yet but it's been interesting talking with a handful of other other software and and hardware you know manufacturers who are using v6 who are starting to think outside the box and realizing that they could might be able to do something you know completely net new with ipv6 because of the fact of you know the address space some of the some of the characteristics of the protocol itself has it been anything that you guys have 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 you know you and your team have mulled over in terms of saying like hey we could actually do something unique with IPv6 to solve a set of problems versus just we need to support it because it's dual stack and and customers are good and and it takes some of our burden off for having to do some of this other work. You know, yeah, yeah. We thought about it. You know, we we have a product in planning, uh, something that's uh, when somebody talks about something that they are planning to develop, they always say it's a game changer it's uh, it's something awesome it's going to change the way vpn industry works but uh, i've given up on those kind of thoughts uh, the idea is to use the ipv6 vastness of the ipv6 space to create sort of a multi-point vpn now when we consider vpn we think about the simple structure you have a client and you have a server. Server listens on one IP address and the client uses his own IP address to connect to that server and that's that's it. One link and that's the way it works. But uh, what we thought about it is that it would be really nice if we could serve VPN from a set of IP addresses. And that set could be large, like 64 or maybe even 128 addresses. So in that sense, a client would connect simultaneously to 128 endpoints and shuffle traffic distributed through those uh, logical connections. That traffic would... Uh, reach the VPN server and server would then forward traffic. This is a, a cool thing due to many reasons. First of all, well, uh, the security benefit is obvious. When you when you shuffle traffic over multiple logical links, multiple TCP connections or multiple UDP connections, then you have the opportunity to anonymize it completely. Also, what happens with the ISPs when they throttle, they usually take flows into account. You, they just take a look at the TCP connection and they say, well, this connection can't go faster than, let's say, 10 megabits per second. But if you have 128 connections established at the same time, what happens then? Right. So this is the speed opportunity. Now. Are, are you thinking that the server or the endpoint that you connect to the, with 128, is that all different addresses from different ranges so that they can't match on like a 64? They would be, you know, they're, you're really 
uh, allocating multiple addresses for multiple prefixes on the server so that when you see the connections coming off the otherwise I'd just be like, well, I'm just going to go grab that 64 and just throttle against that six, that slash 64 instead. No, no, no. We are thinking about 48 or even, even better if we can. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Some, some hosting providers are ready to work with us regarding this idea that we have, mm-hmm. and they are ready to provide us with 48s. Maybe some of them w- could be persuaded to go with 42, but I'm not sure about. Basically, 48s would work, and mm-hmm. there's a, a clear advantage of IPv6. So with IPv4, we couldn't do this. You know, right. each yeah. and every server would have to. Uh, maintain a lot of IP addresses, and this would be quickly become really expensive and wouldn't make sense at all. Yeah, but you just want, you just want the forty eight routed to you. That's it. You'll just take any session connect on a forty eight right? on that yes. forty eight. Yeah. Well, in IPv six world, this is simple. the the uh, The tough challenge is to develop a VPN protocol or some sort of uh, transport mechanism which would work according to the idea. But basically, it's not really complicated regarding the IPv6 protocol. And this is what IPv6 enables us to do. Also, one other idea that we have is closely related to the fact that IPv6 is faster with lower latency. We are thinking about a gaming product in the future for our gamer customers who would like to shave off a few milliseconds while accessing game servers. And we could do that just by leveraging IPv6 links. So we just tunnel their IPv4 and IPv6 traffic over our international IPv6 links. And just by doing that, we shave off a couple of milliseconds or in case where you have a customer from Japan accessing the server in Europe, that number can be quite significant. I'm talking about 20 to 50 milliseconds. So this is really, really significant when you take into consideration that the round trip time between Japan and Europe is somewhere around 250 milliseconds. And this is really, really bad for a gamer. And when you use IPv6 and, of course, a quality quality provider, you could have it down to 210, maybe 220. That's 30 milliseconds of difference. For a gamer, this is a completely different story, you know? So this is one application of IPv6 within our network for a new product that we are planning to push in the foreseeable future. Oh, that's fascinating. That's, that's really awesome. And and we're not, we're not marketing guys, but can I humbly suggest IPv6? It's a game changer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Well, Unlike V6, we've run out of space for this podcast. Thanks to today's guests. You know, Tomislav, how can folks follow you on the internet? How can they How can they reach out and get a hold of you? Well, there's always uh, my LinkedIn. There's a, a possibility to, you know, contact me maybe even over Facebook. I don't use Twitter at all. You know, we in the security industry usually keep a low profile. And, <laughs> you know, this... This podcast and the fact that you guys asked about it and because it was about IPv6, I agreed to do it. But usually we don't talk much. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. That's the industry's wealth. So it's all about security, anonymity. And 
we take cool. care of it and we are serious about it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, you can reach the IPv6 Buzz podcast on Twitter. We're at IPv6 Buzz. You can also hit up each one of us on Twitter. You can hit up Tom at, at IPv6 Tom. Scott is at Scott Hogue and I'm at E. Horley. Thanks for listening to the IPv6 Buzz. You can find us on the Packet Pushers or any of your favorite podcast apps. Just search for IPv6 Buzz. Uh, if you like the show, please give us a rating on iTunes. Hopefully you're listening on Spotify or whatever your favorite favorite app is. And, and if you like the podcast, we really recommend you check out Heavy Networking, Day to Cloud, and, and Network Break Podcasts. There's just tons of great technical content over at PacketPushers.net. Uh, so long and until next time, we'll see you on the internet, the IPv6 internet that is. Thanks for listening to IPv6 Buzz, a podcast devoted to truth, justice, and 128 bits of address space. IPv6.